episode number 92. Can't pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. We're on. Welcome back from... Welcome back to the UK from Iceland. From balmy Iceland. Yeah, awesome. It was freezing here, and it was quite—it was quite nice there. It was quite wild. Well, it's kind of—it's interesting because, um, it, well, was it was it cold in Iceland? Was it colder, like colder as in the UK kind of no, cold? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I, I think some of the that's... pictures I saw, you it looked like it was spring day for you. You didn't seem to be in a. You weren't wrapped up or in a coat or anything. No, it was like six degrees. Was it? Okay, so it was colder. That's Celsius, Americans. It was colder here than in Iceland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much colder. Much colder, yeah. (laughs) That was interesting, but you had a good time. Good time. Saw some glaciers. Any epiphanies? Did you come back with any knowledge or set off or make Uh, you want to? I would not have survived in Iceland. There's no source of heat. Well, there is now geothermals all over the place now, but back in the day, right? no fireplaces, no wood to burn, no peat to burn. It must have been literally Baltic. Oh, nice. So I'm, I've got too much Florida blood in me. Yeah. I cannot survive All right. that. I said a Florida girl in I'll Iceland. I'll go for three days on holiday and stay in geothermal lit for heated. I like it. Now, yeah. were you... Based off the title of our book, that which you are seeking has caused you to seek. Were you seeking something in Iceland? Uh, no. No. All right. No, it was just, just chilling. there to see what happened. <laughs> seeking chill. All right. So the book we're going to cover, or the topic today that we're covering, is a book by Sherry Huber. 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 Yeah, sure. Um, that which you are seeking is causing you to seek. Now, this is a book I picked up probably in 97, 98, somewhere, probably 98 kind of space. And I don't even remember what or why I bought the book. I was trying to remember earlier when we were sat here having a coffee, what was my frame of mind when I was attracted to pick up this book. But I, I, it was shortly after I got out of the army, so would have been, I would have been in heavy seeking mode. I'm always a seeker, always. I was going to say, I, I know why you picked the book, because it's like the title is made for you. But you know, at that point in time, I didn't have a sense of being a seeker. Okay. That kind of came a little bit. I didn't have a, I didn't have a name for it. I was just think I spent mm-hmm. most of my time up until then was all about getting ready for the army, then being in the army. Yeah. And then I was in that period of transition of now I've left the army for and now I'm trying to figure out how to be a civilian. And what does that mean? Um, but I think I've always have been a seeker, but I didn't have that phraseology. And so maybe that is mm. what attracted to me, because that was probably the start of me figuring out um who I am. <laughs> so who are you? A seeker. That's who yeah, I am. Okay. So yes. And so yeah, that's what attracted me to it. And um and for me the subsequently, so at the frame of reference where I bought the book is different than what I'm looking at it now and some of the training and some of the courses and a lot of the reading that I've done, I have a different view of what that title might mean. Um and you said it earlier about the shadow side and for me yeah. this hints at a lot of that sort of young yeah, totally. shadow piece as in you know the source of whatever is causing you to seek is actually within side of you so you're not actually looking for something the thing that you're looking for and you think that is external is actually internal because it's right. the thing that's causing you to right seek out some stuff now you had a little bit of um trouble yeah. with the title yeah, a little bit. I, no no i i can see that 
Yeah, that, that sort of makes a bit more sense to me. I, I find that the stuff that I've read that deals with Jungian shadow explains what she's trying to explain more clearly to me. Hmm. So That logical brain of yours. Well, maybe. I'm not much, sure. What must say about the font? I mean, it's a little bit different. The font is handwritten yeah, so for the font. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy book to read. Yeah. I could, yeah, it's got like illustrations and you know little like little lists and and stuff so i think it's meant to be one of these experiential books and it's kind of it's kind of in some ways i think i can see what you're saying in the terms it it doesn't have a a necessarily a framework so it seems kind of meandering and sometimes it seems what's going on here in in some aspects um i think that um what was interesting to me reading this is that it makes you realize that you can say or talk about the same thing and because you're saying it in your own language in your own way you're going to speak to certain people who also need to hear it in those words yeah so to me it's sort of a really great message for me as a writer that you can never say the same thing too many different times you know, like you don't need to worry in your life. And I think this is a thing that a lot of people do worry about is, well, I have something to say, but it's already been said before. And I think this book is a perfect example of she's repeating so much of what is in every other like basic Buddhist book. Mm. And the way that she says it now, the way that she says it is not my language. Yeah, I can understand what she's trying to say. But it doesn't speak to me. I need something else. Yeah, which is I, interesting. I'm, I'm finding it you saying that because it reaches out to me because that's probably this is. If you want to know what my brain is like, that's kind of what my brain is a little bit like yeah. on the inside for me. Um, it's probably it, even more. It's not the. Um, it's not the the chaos of it. Not even chaos, but it's the. It's the. Um, it's hard to describe. You have a passage in particular that maybe we could use as an example that you could read out that you would say, that kind of illustrate what you're trying to say. Well, I mean, basically, the book goes Well, we haven't told people what the book is kind of about, so you can do that for us. Give us a few. Oh, goodness. For wow. This is my interpretation of what the yeah. book's about. So basically, it's called That Which You Are Seeking Is Causing You to Seek. And she starts off by saying in her introduction, if we didn't already know the experience of what we're looking for, we would never look. It simply would not occur to us. So I think what she starts off with is sort of the basic Buddhist tenet, or, or it, I mean, it's beyond, doesn't have to be understood within a Buddhist framework, but um, that we have a sense that there's more to something than meets the eye or that things don't have to be the way that they are. Mm. And what she is essentially saying is that we have this illusion of separateness, but we know the experience of wholeness somewhere inside of us. We've had a moment or something inside of us knows that we should feel more connected. And so if we didn't know that, we would never think to go look for it in the first place. Yeah. So if, is that yeah. what you get? No, exactly. So if, okay. we, if we weren't disconnected from whatever the source were or the separate, if so, if you didn't, if you didn't know that, if, 
if deep down inside you didn't know that there was a such thing as wholeness or this wholeness or this completeness or oneness, if we didn't have a concept of that, then there would be no need to yeah. sort of seek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and yeah, and a lot of the book is pointing out spaces and places where... And I, I do definitely see that with people coming to meditation practice. It's like if, if people are already there, it's because they've already had an experience of it. You know, they don't come to meditation or any of this kind of thing because they don't know what it is. Let's pick up on that thread. I know, we're, I mean, because this is great that we're, this book is kind of start now, so it's not a book review in itself, but it gives us a conversation starter place. Because I'm thinking there's, um, you know, all these people that are going into meditation and mindful meditation, and, you know, if I flip open my iPhone right now, you know, you get all these articles coming through about... yeah you know, meditation this, meditation that. And so is some of the people that are coming to these seeking because it's got commercial eyes and you see all the articles that are saying how great it is for you and all the wonderful things it can do for your life. So I want to go and check some of that out. But I guess they wouldn't come to the seek that out if if they didn't have us, if there wasn't chaos or a sense of not wholeness with, with them. Yeah, I guess um, so. In that end. Or is it FOMO? <laughs> As in all these people are I saying it's good I suppose it could be both. It depends on the person, yeah. Um, and totally. So, yeah. So, and I think yeah. that sometimes with sort of some spirituality or, or the commercialization of it, I think we kind of, in some sense, have lost a little bit of touch with with the whole idea of seeking and transcending and yeah it's become such a commercial thing which i think bothers me a little bit and i think i don't know that we touch on it because uh, i went to the um the best of you yeah you were telling me about that yeah yeah and, so I just, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was because of that that just it, that just reinformed for me well tell, uh, tell yeah. everybody like what that well, was the, so the best of you is just a, a expo that was down in london in Olymp- uh, olympia and it has every company you can kind of think of from small big ones around On self-help stuff yeah or? it's all self-help um being a better you yoga vegans <laughs> <laughs> buddhism meditation mindfulness i mean all yeah. that sort of yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. nlp everything it was all there and but from a commercialist sense so everyone that was there that had a stand paid lots of money to have a stand and the idea is that you know, there's going to be a lot of people coming here that are looking for something. So here's your opportunity to find some potential clients or customers to sell them your thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that bothers me just a tiny bit. Um, so anyway, back to our what, that what you what you are seeking is causing you to seek. And I think the thing that attracted me to the book was exactly that, that very title as in what is it that I'm seeking? Because I often ask myself this question as a seeker. You know, am I actually looking for something? I think I've come to the conclusion that I'm not actually looking for anything. I just enjoy the pleasure of seeking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense. So the times when I try and where I think, okay, well, actually all the seeking is crazy. Let me just latch onto this thing and then become more narrowed in mm-hmm. what I'm doing. That's when I have the most discontent in my life. That's when I'm disconnected from self that's when I start feeling all angsty and everything is when I'm trying to one be normal or what I perceive that other people feel as normal um, to that whole you know everyone's talking about find your passion type thing which 
generally is about a thing that's your passion. Right. Um, which I, you know, I don't have one of those. But then I think, well, is there something wrong with me because I don't have that? Yeah. Um, but it, and, and so I realized that actually when I'm at my happiest is when I'm just seeking. And I don't even need to find anything. It's just that, you know, just seeking for seeking's sake is when I feel the most connected and have the most pleasure and the most contentment and happiness um, yeah. in my life. <laughs> I mean, I think that the thing about this book that is very true and empowering and it's what attracts me to Buddhism is that, well, I mean, we should say that this woman, I'm not just making the Buddhist part up. This yeah. is like, she's, you know, a practitioner of Zen Buddhism. Hmm. So basically, is that if things are all inside you, you can change that. Like you have some level of influence on that. I hesitate to say control, hmm. <laughs> but you know, if the problem in life and the cause of a lot of your discontent or feeling of inadequacy or lack is because life is a bit sucky, then there's really nothing you can do about that. You just have to like give in. But if you can change your attitude and that in itself can be transformative, then you know, then you can work with that. Do you know what I mean? So But that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Is it a hard thing to sort of but I think that's the, what this whole book is saying is like exactly what you said that it's not like none of the problems and none of the issues are outside you really. Yeah. That's where we're always looking. That's where we're always blaming. But actually, you know, with every sort of aspect of things and she covers a lot of stuff. So she covers like, um, you know, suffering versus pain and she covers you know, when you are going through something and you don't want to accept it, like how, what is acceptance versus like resignation to mm. something. You know, so she has different things, feeling about anger and, you know, what's, what do you do with that? Because someone's obviously done something that has brought anger feelings inside of you. So then it's much, it's a more habitual way of thinking, well, that person's wrong or that situation's wrong or whatever. And trying to figure out how to, explore that feeling from within is is tricky but it's all about coming back in isn't it yeah one of my th it was a couple of things that were going through my head just then as you were saying that it was it as i was reading this book again through this time around it's probably my third time reading this book halfway through reading it again i was having not so good feelings towards the book and it may just because hmm. the other stuff that I've, I've been reading on the um, sort of uh, Gnostic guys and magic and hermetic, hermet hermetic and all that sort of mm -hmm. uh, mystical stuff. Um, mysticism, not mystical, or mystical, it could be mysticism, mystical, but mysticism and, yeah. and the like. Um, and some of the reality that that points to and so I guess they were clashing at that time. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it was just clashing with me at that. But before I continue on that, the, one of my favorite passages out of this book, I think, was, and I probably mentioned it on a podcast once, that, and illustrating what you were just saying there about this inside you, and this was that I have lost my favorite teacup. So you have oh, two yeah, choices, yeah. yep. You have lost your favorite teacup, and you can be miserable, or I can have, a, I can have lost my teacup and be all right. But either way, the teacup is gone. And yeah. for me, that just speaks to the whole idea of, I think is that, you know, 
it is what it is, but then you bring whatever reaction to that. That's right. But at any moment in time, you could change that. Yeah. But what I find that people get really lost in or really attached to that they're, they're feeling about a thing, they're, they just, yeah, they just get so attached to the thing. Or not wanting it to be the way or that not, it is. Or wanting it to be the way that it is. That yeah. They can't see that in an instant that they could change their whole outlook in just instant. Not it doesn't. It, so it doesn't even have to take. Yeah, I said it was hard, but it's simple. But yeah. As Patton said, the simplest things can be difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like that, you can. Flip I just feel like this woman is writing this book from. A lot of experience sitting in meditation groups hmm. and work, you know, and, and living and being at the Zen Buddha Center. And what she's trying to get at or speak to is the many, many people out there that have a lot of self harming, self judging, self like critical issues. Hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of sort of emotion that comes into this thing this book about being compassionate to yourself and you know being accepting and stuff but i think what, what what's hard for me and where this book sort of falls short for me is there's a for me there's a very subtle mechanics that goes on you know when when you're in a mind frame to just shift your paradigm and perspective on something is quite difficult because you're looking at the same thing but you've got to sort of somehow shift your perspective on it and when you're so used to looking at something a particular way that's actually quite difficult to do Except I have a nice little technique for that it, oh, work good. For, it won't work for everyone <laughs> no. but, but what I mean is that then in this instance where you have this combination of advice saying be compassionate be accepting um, you're not making life happen. You have to surrender to the flow of life. And learning what to do about action, how to then come from that place, but also be an actor, decide how you want to like, act in any given situation, what to do with anger, all these kind of things. Actually, it's quite difficult and subtle way of negotiating those two aspects because those two aspects seem contradictory they seem like if you're compassionate and completely accepting then anger is a real your problem and you should just accept the situation and that's not actually what they're always saying but that's what's often understood right and that bugs me yeah because i would say that um I guess the ultimate thing that I always fall back on or the thing that always helps me is the fact that both compassion and anger don't really matter at the end of the day. So you could be whichever one you want to be. If you feel like having anger, then have anger and don't be mad about being angry. <laughs> but, if that's but, then the, but then the thing is like, what do you do with that anger? And she's like, go off and pound nails or go off and punch a pillow. And I'm like, you know, sometimes anger is calling you to do something different you know sometimes anger is calling you to act in in a way that that is directed 
towards a person that is involved in the situation you're angry about. So it doesn't mean always take it away and don't ever say anything about stuff. And I think that's, you know, learning how to negotiate that's really tricky. With anger for me, because I I find anger to be a useless emotion, because it doesn't help you. Well, it doesn't help. Well, it doesn't help me. I should say that. So I find it, I find it a useless emotion, which is why you probably never really see me mad or Mm. that, because it doesn't. One, it makes. I'll speak from my point of view, but. I think I'm just thinking from experiences of other things, uh, martial arts in particular, and that sort of thing. When you get angry, then you're not making smart decisions because you're operating out of anger, so you forget the very thing that will get you out of the situation that you're in. So it it inhibits you. It might give you more energy. I guess it does do that. It raises your energy, but it clouds your your judgment about things. So for me, I always found anger to be ultimately a useless emotion. It doesn't help me. It doesn't serve me. So, mm-hmm. um, and I and I you know I can temper that with say sometimes I get maybe agitated or mad, and then I catch myself and then I say, well, again, there's no point to that. So what yeah. is it that I really want? Well, I want to do this thing, and then I kind of figure out what I need to do. But I don't. But need that's the, anger. the key, isn't it? Yeah, that's the key right there. I think is anger can sometimes make you wake up to something that you need to do differently or do you know what I'm saying? You don't need to act out of that anger but you need to do something about yourself because your anger is a reaction to something that someone else has done or some situation but then that's external to you so it's all about you at the end of the day so no one can make you angry no thing can make you angry you're choosing to be angry and then for me, it's the case of, well, why am I choosing to be angry? And what is mm-hmm. that doing for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ultimately, the answer is not doing anything for me. So yeah, yeah, I get yeah. people get angry at me for not getting angry. See, I, I, for me, it's sort of like there's a... I, I think this is one of the big differences, maybe, between Zen and the Tibetan tradition of Buddhism. But in the Tibetan tradition, where they've mixed with like the you know old sort of pre-Buddhist um, like deity sort of mm. religion um, you get quite interesting sort of you know like you always say that in this world in which and we always need to do a podcast on this but in this world where we sort of have this monothe- monotheism dominating you have yeah. one god then everything is sort of brought into or or smashed into one thing and one thing has to represent every aspect of your personality well of course in Tibetan Buddhism that's not the case and they have many many bodhisattvas and whatever that represent all different kinds of emotion and mental states and blah 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 and what I always find really interesting is that there's a lot of quite fierce deity kind of things but they're cutting through, sort of. They're using that that rage that's depicted in these paintings and you yeah, know yeah. these monstrous things to cut through illusion or to cut through. And so sometimes I think that but understanding how to use anger in a way that is like precise to cut through illusion that's important to be cut through. I suppose even the for you yourself, have to ask yourself is, is what like, does anger do for you? Is a, that's how I would approach that with people is what does it do for you yeah, if yeah. it's useful for you that, and for me it always comes back to utility yeah, yeah, if yeah. you find anger useful then be angry if you want to be sad because you find it useful then be sad but yeah, ultimately yeah. you don't need 
either one of those things. I think that's the thing about this book is that there's a little bit too much like advice that I'm like, meh. Hmm. That doesn't really feel right to me, and I'm not sure that. I, I, don't I like this one here. This uh, and maybe this is an illustration of of even what positive emotions or positive things. If you attach yourself to it, you almost at least how this what I'm reading on this one. You set yourself up to fall hard on the on the other side. So it, so this passage was to. The degree to which I am proud, delighted, smug when I am right is a degree to which I will suffer when I am wrong. Yeah, so the, totally. Yeah, so the more you're attached to that sense, it's going to hurt more. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, now, do we need to take a break? Because I want to ask you um, about your negative feelings towards this book in relation to your mystic readings. Uh, okay, yes, we can take a break. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. Our goal for 2018 is to grow our audience, our community of contemplators like you, and we would really appreciate your help with this. Now, there's a few things that you as a listener can do that are pretty easy and simple that will really help us out a lot. So if you enjoy the podcast and want it to continue, it would be great if you could share it with a few friends who you think might enjoy listening. Um, going to iTunes and giving us a review so that it boosts us in the algorithms and it can come across other people who might enjoy it. And if you'd like to financially support the podcast, you can go to the contribution section of our website. Thanks and back to the show. Cool. All right. Okay. So you said that you were reading the book and halfway through you started having yeah, bad so feelings towards it. I'm reading all of my stuff on the mysticism now and the sort of uh, you know, various different mystical philosophies and thought processes. And I think part of it is the fact that the, from the book I feel a sense of passiveness. Um, and the stuff that I'm reading to the opposite of that is is almost the opposite and it is about action. It's about harnessing like it's harness, things or... It's harnessing your own internal energy yeah, to yeah. shape and create the world in which you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect of it. Oh, but see, already Sherry Hubbard hates you because you're not supposed to want the world to be anything. Yes, but if you're... But this where is, I'm at. Yeah, no, exactly. I know. I, this is my issue. And then the other side of the myth. So there's that's a path of mysticism. Another one is around wanting to transcend and then touch gnosis or God yeah, or yeah, that yeah. that aspect, which I'm not on that trip at the moment. I'm in the I'm going to make the world what I want it to be mode at the oh, moment. Nice. I'm feeling very warrior-ish. I had my. Um, in fact, I think when you when we spoke or texted or something or whatever earlier in the week i was in pure warrior mode oh huh. yeah I, and i haven't been i had in, no idea i haven't invoked warrior mode in ages i've been all you know that was a good of, episode we did about the warrior archetype and that was a was that was that ages was ages ago, ago. Yeah. yeah it was really good though yeah, yeah yeah but i'm all in now i'm all in warrior mode at the moment um, what does that mean for you because um, it's action, right? Yeah, this yeah. is the problem with this book. Yeah. It's like uh, it's yeah, just right, okay. also the back, more action oriented. It's about yeah. more doing, and then don't worry about the being because you're gonna your doing is gonna reveal your being. See, and I I sort of feel that because actually, you know, there's this whole thing about no, we're not human doings, we're human beings, mm. and I just want to. Sometimes I want to punch the person that says that, that, says that. So now everyone wants to punch me, but basically, I do feel that there is something that's 
we're no matter what you're doing, you're an actor. You can't opt out. It reveals your so, character. Action does. Action reveals character. So you know, if yeah. you, you if you want to go for a run, go. For, if you want to know something about yourself, go for a run, and then pay attention to all the things that are going on in your head and the way that this, you I react. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Yeah. I hate this. <laughs> um, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. You know, so adversity teaches you about yourself as well. But um, you know, I think that's the thing. There's a very subtle. It's not. I don't know if subtle is the right word. It's a paradigm shift to figure out, and and it's a journey I'm on, trying yeah. to figure out how to combine sort of pa- compassion with others and uh, Compassion used to be one of my values, but it isn't anymore. <laughs> I love that you can say that. That's brilliant. You know, and, and sort of an acceptance of how life is. Because it's true, we don't have control over most of the stuff that goes on around us. So an mm. acceptance and it is required to see what's going on but around us. you know us. what? Is there an acceptance as in, oh well, woe is me acceptance? Or actually, I don't have time to devote any energy to that because there's nothing I can do about it anyway. So why bother even thinking well, but, about it? And it's also about, what it, it, it doesn't invite us to ask well what can i contribute what can i do because there's a defeatist bit if you say just accept it and then you're not going to do anything Mm -hmm. i mean it's almost like let it be what it is don't make it something else i think she tries to explain that it Mm. just isn't clear i think it's 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 if you are coming at this book as the first point to call into this i think there's things that are missing from it if this isn't your first time on the rodeo show and you got other things behind you when you read this, then the book probably makes more sense. So like when I'm reading it, I'm not seeing the passive side in it. it the part that connects with me when I'm reading through it is this idea of that a thing is inside of you and that yeah. you could change it just as... So if you want to be angry, you could just as well be happy. Yeah. You can change that in a, in a second, but depending on how you view whatever it is that you're viewing and that's all going to be on you no one else can make you happy no one can make you angry yeah they can't make you sad it's you know you have that choice there's to make i'm really surprised that there's so much chat about ego too as if ego is a thing because actually there you know in the in buddhism in the way that i've been taught and the tradition that i've sort of been trained in so far Ego is not a thing. Hmm. It's a messy word because it's got the Freudian thing in it. It's, you know, it's it's very imprecise. And actually, that's sometimes what I get a little bit turned off by spiritual books that are a bit too fluffy or vague. Because actually, when you get down to it, there's a certain amount of respect that I feel like is lacking about people who are real practitioners who and I'm talking like you know who have trained their whole lives mm. in the study of the mind that's they're actually very precise they know exactly what they're talking about just like a physicist knows exactly what he's talking about or a chemist I'm smiling knows exactly because what they don't know what they're talking about but that's a whole nother thing they know what they're talking about in their frame but well in, but I think but, the, but they're I know you're poking me but basically you know there's a there's they just a, have a worldview, but it isn't the worldview. No, 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 it totally, totally. But I think that's true for physicists, no, and that's it, true yeah, for chemists. And but I think there's yeah. not. 
there's not a recognition that it can be precise, that you can look into the mind and like the, so anyway, all I'm saying is that this like ego word that she's talking about Mm. is just really imprecise and you're sort of like, yeah, I kind of get it. I know that that's a word we use all the time and I I do sort of get what she's talking about when she says. But if you don't call it ego, what would you call it? So if I, if I, it's not a thing that that's the yeah. Buddhist perspective yeah. that there is nothing there's nothing to call it because there is nothing hmm. then how are you having a conversation about that if there's nothing you're looking at examples in which stuff arises that are thoughts then it becomes something but it's not ego it's not a thing altogether yeah. all these things are not together so how can you have a conversation about something that's not there just by having a conversation and saying it doesn't exist gives it some existence. It's like saying that having a conversation about up. There is no up without a down. I can't say there's no... Word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say there's no... So there's something that's there, whatever that is, that's having that conversation to say that there is no ego. Yeah. I must have some examples that... Even if it's a person saying it, there is an ego. Like, I get what she's talking yeah. about. She's basically saying that we have this story about who we think we are. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when people do things or their situations, we act that out. And then we go, ah, oh, see, we were right. So if you believe that you're going to mess up stuff or you believe that you don't like getting up in front of people, then actually, even though it's painful to be shy, you enact that. Yeah, you, you and then you, the character. And then you prove yourself right, and being right is more important than the suffering that and you don't think being that's right a real causes. Force. I totally do think that that's real yeah. force, but I just feel like it's the tip of the iceberg and where you can go, and I feel like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I see people acting in those that way, acting out. So I, I think it's a real... So I think in the mind, it's a real thing. In the mind, we've created all these various variations and personalities and egos and ids and know-nothing. So we've created all this stuff in our heads. Yeah. And part of the journey is, for me, has been, well, okay, we've created all of this. And so uh, there's a power in that. Yeah. Part of the power is realizing that we've created it, and if we create it, I can uncreate it. I can create something else. Right. Um, so yeah, you. I but then know. I think, like, I guess, like you're saying, mm. I want to sit in that more sort of active space, and be like, okay, well, what's the story, and is it serve me, or do I want to create something else? Or is a lot of it's just like in this book is like just you know accepted and yeah so la 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 and um, that's interesting because if we were talking about our shadow work, what is all that saying about you? Oh good lord, who knows? <laughs> Do you know? I liked her stuff on the again. I liked her stuff what on the sort of shadow stuff. out into cyberspace oh, yeah, totally. here. <laughs> totally. No, and it's funny, like exactly like I said at the beginning, I think what was really interesting was reading about the concepts that I feel like I've been taught in a different language. Yeah. And because it's still within the Buddhist tradition, they're still conceptualizing everything. And it's Mm. like you said, this is not the only paradigm to work in. This Mm. is not the truth. But reading about this stuff in a different language is been really interesting because it's like yeah this book it's cool it's gonna really speak to some people it doesn't speak to me and this is what you said to me last week wasn't it 
What's that? When I was, or the other week, when I was saying about the best of you and how I hated it, and you were saying along the lines that best of you expo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you kind of said what you've kind of concluded there is that, you know, that might be someone's way in that's going yeah. to expand their knowledge. So yeah. that'll, so some other book might not have spoke to me. Like I got some Buddhist books on my thing that someone would look at and say, I ain't reading all of that because it has yeah, no yeah, connection. Yeah, 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 totally, totally, totally. But they might read that, connect to it, and then yeah. that sends me off on the journey that. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's like when we were talking about that expo a couple of weeks ago, it also reminded me of the article that I read about the yoga tradition and mm. how commercialized yoga has become. And while I really appreciated the guy's perspective, I completely agreed with it. I think that yoga and all the photos that are out on what is yoga and the commercialization of it has absolutely ignored the whole spiritual tradition of yoga. Mm. But I also think that that's a lot of times how people get in. It's the door in. And then you go, oh, there's going to be a very small percentage of people that want to take it any further than that. But I don't know. That's okay. But there's a question, and then maybe this is another podcast, is why do we feel the need? Or why, why are we, why do we seek out the whole spirituality and all that? Well, this jazz? is the what book, is Clay. What that's is that what all? you are seeking. What is that all about in humans? It's causing you to seek. That's what you're what my, you're seeking is causing you to seek. This, my spirituality is. Why do humans need a word called spirituality? Because what does it deep do? down What's inside, you you remember the thing that you could be, and so you're looking for. But what it. is that? Know, that's what, what she's saying. Well, what could we be? Whole, I guess, like but back what, connected to the force. But what does that mean? I don't know, dude. Does it mean we're in heaven? No, I don't know. We're at peace. Keep seeking. We're content. Keep <laughs> what is, seeking. What does that actually No, don't mean? keep seeking because you're happier when you're just seeking and no, not see, seeking I have to something. keep seeking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't don't have to seek find something. Anything. That's right. Yeah, I have to seek. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not happy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm okay if I don't find anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't need an answer. Well, on that note, what we are looking for is causing us to look some little spark inside you is going find me clay find me i don't know well i know where it is because i know where i left it so (laughs) good deal absolutely okay are we done yeah yeah you had it for another coffee how come this guy's brought me a little coffee i think i asked for a big coffee but little coffee is not does not should i get angry or should i just accept that i had a little coffee and i can go get another one well but you've just put the key in there which is that you're not satisfied with your small cup of coffee, so you're going to do something about it. Yeah, Whereas I feel like one. Sherry is like, But should I go get angry and say, look, man, this isn't what I ordered. Like some people would. Some people would oh, go yeah, totally. and say, oh. and so for me, it would be like, well, what's the point of that? Okay, so you got it wrong. <laughs> Just yeah, get no. the thing that you want. You. <laughs> Why would you, you waste any energy getting angry about the fact that they got your order wrong? But no. then that's just me. Yeah. Because I need all my brain cells. I think that's what it is. I just think I have my, I don't have the brain capacity to be, to wasting on other things. Um, I was like, no, I need, I need that energy for but, something else. But that's the thing too. Don't you find that exactly that 
the more angry you get at others, the more critical you are of yourself. And if you're not that critical of yourself for messing up sometimes, you're not going to be that critical of other people for messing up because you're like, dude, well, yeah, sometimes I get it wrong too, whatever. Yeah, there you go. Sometimes you whatever. just messed up. Life goes on. Yes, it I, does. I didn't tell you my trick. My, uh, my answer for all this, if you ever want to change your mood, and it's, oh, yeah, but it yeah. just works for me, yeah, and that yeah, is, yeah. is this going to matter on my deathbed? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And whatever, if I can say no, then I can let it go. Yeah. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, yes. We need to, we haven't been good at our um, announcements, have we? Announce. We've got to talk about away. our Facebook group and things like that. I know it's picking up and there's people interacting there, but share the, share the love, get more people involved so we can have bigger conversations with a greater population of people. We've got the website. Yeah. To interact on. Are those saying that? The website, do we do a lot on the website? Maybe not. Just subscribe to iTunes or Spotify. That's, yeah, then Spotify. You, yeah. Yeah. Then you get the, uh, then you get the pod, podcast straight into your mobile device. That's right. And something that should be coming down on the pike that we need to discuss, and we'll just do a little prelim here, is that buy me a cup of coffee site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so, so you too can support our addiction yes, to so caffeine in the form of coffee. Absolutely. Okay, that's More it. soon. More soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. We have a goal for 2018 to grow our audience, our, our community of contemplators like you, and we'd really appreciate your help. In fact, there's a few things that you can do quite easily that would really help us out a lot. One is by sharing it with other friends that you think might enjoy listening to the show. Another is going to iTunes and giving us a review, which will boost the algorithm and put the show out in front of more eyes that um, can, people can come across it. And you can financially support the show by going to the contribution section of our website. Thanks a lot. <laughs>